necessary matters and to a lender of knowledge. I'm Christopher Scarborough. And I'm Joe Taylor. And welcome to the Curioso Podcast. All right, Christopher. What are we doing here? Uh, I think we're recording a podcast, Joe. Oh, that's right. Yeah, and uh, <laughs> we're doing one of our people retrospectives today. Yes, we are. Mm-hmm. And this is sort of in uh, in memory of an artist that just recently died in May, uh, May 12th, 2014. His name is H.R. Giger, Hans Rudolf Rudi, quotation, Giger. Yeah, and sometimes it's even like the uh, Hans Hans Rudi mm-hmm. is is written like that that I I keep continually see it's Hans not Rudy. Hans Rudi it's Hans Rudi Hans yeah <laughs> one, one name yeah like it's one name so, right you know I I I was researching that and I really couldn't find any reason and maybe it's a, just a Swedish thing. It could be. That, yeah. like, they turn into... It's kind of like... Ikea. Like how my wife's name is Dana May, but it's just, like, Dana May, or as I like hyphenated? to call her... No, I like to call her <laughs> Daname. H.R. <laughs> Giger. I, well, growing up, I didn't know it was Giger. I always thought it was mm-hmm. Geiger, as in, like, the Geiger counter. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, I was I was corrected early on when I was when I was, like, 16 or something, and somebody was like, no, it's Giger. Get yeah. it right. Okay, so funny Jim. thing about <laughs> well, that's funny because um, there was someone else that we both know who uh, kept on call, telling me that it was Jeejer. 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 It was H R Jeejer. Should we juggle that? Yeah, I think we should juggle it. <laughs> but uh, it's funny uh, that you mention the uh, the uh, Giger mm-hmm. because. Um, I found online that someone had made a Giger counter, not a Geiger counter, a Giger, a Giger counter. Count. Well, there's okay, so there is the HR Giger counter, <laughs> and um, that is a actually it's it's not real. It's a. Uh, I was a, gonna say, does it detect like demons? No, or, it detects or old um, ones. It it actually detects. If someone is ripping off Giger's um, <laughs> art, art, yeah, Sweet. yeah, his his style of uh, of of art, his st- artistic style, and uh, it beeps more and more as you get towards someone who is uh, uh, using his artistic style, yeah. Wow. But um, yeah. So yeah, certain certain things that like like uh, it would be re- very set off by say um, the new Superman. Uh, you know the whole world oh, of Krypton. Yes. Yeah, it would just go wild if you're watching that oh, movie. Yeah, yeah. yeah. but actually, Some someone rip off. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. but someone else actually made a another uh, Geiger Geiger counter, mm-hmm. and it's actually a Geiger counter uh, in the style of Geiger. So oh, it looks nice. like so uh, his, his his all. It's of course biomechanical looks like bones, mm-hmm. biomechanical, just sort of black ebony mm-hmm. bones made out of a skull and a rib cage, and uh, the head blinks and beeps hmm. uh, as you as you come across radiation. Yes. Wow. I, and uh, since you brought that up so early, I just had to throw that out there. Oh yeah, yeah. I think he was one of the first people to describe the sort of marrying of. Uh, organic tissue and robots as biomechanical, mm-hmm. biomechanoids. So let's let's talk about his art, okay? It, it's described a bunch of different ways, but it's basically fantasy. Mm-hmm. Uh, some of it's realism. Surrealism. Some of it's surrealism. Uh, some people think it's horror. Uh, a lot of people think it's very erotic. <laughs> erotic, <Erotic-ish>. erotic. Sorry. <laughs> mm-hmm. But at the core of it, there's this sort of elegance to the lines. Is uh, like some of the stuff he's done. It is dark. It is dark in, in sort of the uh, the broad spectrum of the the word dark imagery. Mm-hmm. But the the way he did it was like it was like this finesse to it but there was these hard lines and angles and shadow and it was just I need to think like the process that he would he finally got to I mean this is an evolution every single artist whether you know you're 
a painter or a drawer, you know, a, a pen and ink person or a musician or sideshow, you are evolving. You well, know, yeah, any, your, your any skill kind of artist level. would do that, yeah. Right, but you start off, you know, like you do, with a, a pencil, you know, and, and you you work your way up. You try pens and oils and, and pastels and all these different things. Well, I was going to say most of his earlier works was done in just pen and ink. Yeah. So yeah. it was just, you know, he would take... And in fact, I was reading... Um, some of his earliest published works were in just these little magazines. Mm-hmm. Um, like zines, almost. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and they were just drawings that he had scribbled on the back of old calendars. Yeah. So he would, he would draw with just a pen. Just the back. Yeah, just, you know, and send them in. And, you know, he eventually got, you know, published originally that way. Yeah, yeah. So, and it was kind of like fed his... Um, desire to be an artist yeah you know because he he originally kind of started out as a bit of a uh, a bit of a well he was he was a architect for a little while yeah he was born in 1940 in sure or sure I thought it was like char it's c-h-u-r char is that char wouldn't that be c-h-a-r i don't know like char broil no it's char, not... yeah it's char Chur. Sure. Sure. Sure, whatever. (laughs) (laughs) And that's in Switzerland, as we all know. So his father was a pharmacist. His mom was a homemaker. Yeah. So the 50s, he was, he did train uh, to be an architect. By the 60s, he had moved to Zurich. And during the day, he attended school for applied arts in Zurich. Second year, interior design, industrial design. And that's when, I guess, he started to really hone in on, on his visions of what he wanted to do artistically. I guess part of doing the architecture and stuff, you, you figure out structure and lines and things. It helps you artistically. So that's where he produced the Atom Kinda, which is the Atomic Children, part of his uh, ink drawings that he would do in this spare time. Yeah, it's it's funny how you see like certain themes. I mean, you you see like the aliens, and you see, but it's they show up in other, in other uh, drawings and things. So he has he'll have like a theme mm-hmm. that he continues through certain drawings. Like you have the 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 bullet babies. Yeah, you know, and they the birth machine, the, the birth machine. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, the babies in the birth machine, the little bullet babies, and they. He'll continue to use that little motif in mm-hmm. other paintings. Yeah. Because, you know, they don't just go away. They're just kind of stuck in his head, and he continues to move them, you know, right. into into other pieces. And I just, I don't know, I just found that kind of uh, very interesting. Well, it's it's like, um, I'm it's just, like Disney, okay? Mm-hmm. You just take Disney. This is a complete opposite of, of Giger. <laughs> but take Disney. You know you're going to get the... Uh, the laughable sort of cuddly creature in a Disney movie. Mm-hmm. And then you're going to have the, the, the slapstick character. You're going to have the hero. You're going to have, you know what I mean? They're reusable tropes that, that Disney has used forever. And Giger was very much, I mean, he did really push himself to do different things. But one of the mainstay things is that sort of erotic female male parts um, oh yeah, they show up quite a bit. Quite a bit. The use of architecture, like lines and forms, and and there's this sort of like old world, uh, sort of a steam engine, sort of you know like rivets and big bulkheads, and that plays a lot of like background in in his world. It does, but then you also have like like we were talking about. It's almost like. Um, the the kind of like biomechanical right mm-hmm. and i don't want to continue to say that it's like it's almost like a lot of his backgrounds also are mechanical but it looked like it grew organically yes like the yeah. you know like uh like say there was just a wall there mm-hmm. but it was some kind of wire that just grew up the wall and and grew like ivy yeah you like know vines. And, and yeah like vines and just just stayed there right. you know and that became a part of the wall mm-hmm. you know and, and you know um I, it, it's just uh yeah it's it, it's horrific and 
Amazing and flooring, yeah. I came across a picture of the someone that actually has a pair of the giant safety pin goggles. Oh, that he made? That he made. Someone mm-hmm. has made a pair of those to mm-hmm. wear. And I was just, I was taken aback <laughs> that they're actually wearing those. Yeah, well, he designed lots of stuff. So by the 60s, 1965, he was still at the, the School for Applied Arts in his third year, producing his drawings in underground magazines, such as The Clow and The Agitation. I guess they were like little like underground zines, like you were saying. Mm-hmm. He prints a number of works privately under the title Einfresen für den Psychiatr, The Feast for the Psychiatrist. Okay. Um, so Giger developed his interest in this sort of like Sigmund Freudian uh, aspect of his dreams. So he would have, I guess, very, very vivid dreams and then wake up and take notes. And that way he could try to recreate what he saw. And that's, that's something everyone should do. Like well, yeah. I always have uh, extremely bizarre, creative, nutty dreams. And then I wake up and just don't write them down. <laughs> When we were, we used to live together, and it was like right before uh, we'd all moved in together, I had this really crazy dream. And Mm -hmm. normally I don't dream. Mm -hmm. Well, I dream, yes. But normally I am laying on my pillow and my eyes closed, and next thing I know, I'm awake. There's nothing in between, just, you know, a, a few spare moments of blackness. But I don't know what I was doing, what was going on in my life at the time, but I remember having this really, really vivid dream, and I woke up, and I sketched it out. And I think I told you about it. Mm-hmm. It was like a, I don't even remember what it was. Is this the one about the, the guy, guy with, with the one leg, <laughs> the really large leg? Yeah. yeah. Okay, if you've been listening to the podcast a long time, you, you, <laughs> you know exactly what dream we're talking about. Yeah. <laughs> right. Go back and check it out. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that's what he did. I mean, he basically would take notes of his dreams and then... Yeah, but unlike other people where it's the most annoying thing in the world to listen to someone describe a dream to you. Right. Literally, it is right. like, it's, I mean, it's on, I mean, it's it's just up there with someone describing a, you know, uh, an acid trip to you. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. About how amazing that is. Um, yeah, it's the same exact thing. It's just boring. Like, you know... But he puts it into the visual, which is something completely different. Yeah. Well, it's the old movie adage, show, don't tell. Mm -hmm. You know? And that's exactly what he did. Since we were talking about acid trips, I just thought it was really funny. (laughs) Sometime during the 70s, he had a very good friend named Walter uh, Wegmuller. Mm -hmm. And Walter Wegmuller was very good friends with Timothy Leary. And when he was on the run, he was in Switzerland. And um, Giger called this the Freaky Times. And uh, this was about during... <laughs> freaky the, Times, man. Freaky yeah. Times. This was during the 70s. And, uh, and you know, Timothy Leary didn't want to go back to the States because he was going to be going to jail for several things. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, he actually... Um, Giger actually went around collecting signatures to try to get him asylum in Switzerland hmm. and uh, apparently didn't all pan out. But he, <laughs> he had asked his, you know, he had talked to his father about it and his father, he was a chemist. So he had, you know, he knew about drugs and he knew mm-hmm. about, I mean, he was a chemist and a pharmacist. Right. So, you know, he knew who Timothy Leary was and that he was a very big advocate of LSD and drugs in general and uh, was kind of giving uh, Giger a hard time about hanging out or, or, you know, doing anything for this guy. Right. So, yeah, I just thought that was kind of funny. Huh. And he eventually, uh, he didn't meet him so much then in, in Switzerland, mm-hmm. but he did meet him in Los Angeles when he when he went back over there, hmm. uh, when he was working on the movies in the 80s. Right, uh, right. In, in Hollywood, and he, he wound up me- meeting up with him. And uh, he won't explicitly say this, but it's fairly certain that at some point, Timothy Leary <laughs> and H.R. Giger tripped on acid together. I would not... Put it past them. Yeah. So by the late 60s, 
he's working in an office furniture program for the Knoll International Company, just trying out a different avenue of art. He's living in Reindermark with actor Paul Weeble. That's where he meets Lee Tober and falls in love and that whole thing. So he finds... <laughs> <laughs> You're so nonchalant about it. This was his first love. I know, but... Yeah, this uh... was, the, the, this was the, the love of his life. Mm-hmm. He, she was a huge muse yeah. Uh, yeah. For, for a lot of his work, and you know she shows up very prominently in it. Oh, yeah, definitely. You know, she also modeled for him, mm-hmm. you know. As uh, you so, would. Yeah, so he gets, you know, the female form correct, mm-hmm. uh, which he puts into a lot of his artwork. <laughs> yes, he does. So in addition to uh, his regular day job, he was spending uh, a lot of nights producing large, you know, huge uh, drawings and, and paintings. So the method he would use, kind of interesting. He would you know, ink on, on brushes, and then he would paint it on transcop paper. Which is like um, a tracing paper. Okay. But for architects use it. Oh, okay. So he had it readily available since he was doing architectural uh-huh. programs and stuff. And then he would, using a toothbrush and a wire sleeve, he would highlight like little areas with, with scratches, and then he would use razor blades and darken the areas and then build them up with other other you know inks and stuff like that so he had this sort of like multi-level medium style that he would use mm-hmm. so he used different techniques different uh, implements to get the images that he wanted which is really neat usually someone just picks a pen up and that's what they use the entire entire thing painting's a little different you use different uh, brushes and things like that but his was all like tactile different uh, methods. So by 67, Giger and Lee move into an empty neighboring apartment in Zurich, and that's where he produced some of his most memorable works, That those few f- first years with her. Birth Machine, like we were talking about, mm-hmm. Under the Earth, Astro Unix, and that's also where Giger meets writer Sergius Goldwyn and his friend F.M. Muir, who a, was a filmmaker in Switzerland. During that time, he was featured as a, as a, you know, in little art galleries and stuff like that, and, and really trying to perfect his craft and meeting a lot of people doing it because his artwork was, you know, something that they hadn't seen before. So in 68, well, he gets back together with an old friend, Vasilo Schmidt, who basically says, you know, you need to focus more on your art because this is really going to take you places. So him and F.M. Muir commission Giger to start working on uh, some props and some backgrounds for a 30-minute film. You know, this is his first, you know, work outside of just his, his, his flat, you know? Mm-hmm. And uh, the film was called Swiss Made. I've seen clips of it, mainly of the dog. <laughs> it's a very strange, weird uh, little film, but there's this really cool uh, prosthetic that Giger designed and made out of like latex and, and uh, uh, polystyrene vinyl and some other stuff. But it's like this weird, it's a dog, right? Mm-hmm. A real dog. And he has to make this sort of like biomechanical suit to fit over the dog. And the dog's face, as I remember, there's like a, a video screen. Mm-hmm. So that would actually show like, you know, like static noise or, or something on the, on the screen as well. But the dog, it looks awesome, you know? You're talking like 68, 1968, yeah. you know? But there's this whole, like, biomechanical dog creature thing. And if you can find a copy of that movie, or it, I don't even know if it's on YouTube. It might be. But it's only 30 minutes long. It's worth a look. Okay, let me get into the 70s. And the 70s, F.M. Muir was living in London. And Giger and Lee decided to visit. Muir and Giger then, while he was there, decided to make a documentary film called Passagen, which is Passage, mm-hmm. uh, in sort of Giger's world. You know, it's basically a documentary. His vision. Right, right. Yeah. And part of that, that little documentary, they use uh, London's like dock area. 
mm-hmm. the old dock dock area as, as the background, the, the location background, which Giger got super inspired by all the old pipes and, and uh, you know, the, the old rusty gears and things all around that area. I mean, as you do with, uh, you know, just like with urban exploring, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, it's just a... To, to, to see all that old machinery, industrial area, uh, you know, industrial age machinery is, uh, is, is pretty, pretty amazing. Just the way things were made mm-hmm. then and how heavy duty they are and just how well the, you know, the weld, the welds are and everything else. Yeah. Just, it's, it's, yeah, it's pretty neat stuff to behold. And it kind of fits in his, his vision, his world, mm-hmm. you know, it just fits really, really well. So then we get to, like, 1973. He gets commissioned to design a record cover mm-hmm. by Emerson, Lake and Palmer. Now, I didn't really listen to Emerson, Lake and Palmer, nor have I ever listened to Emerson, Lake and Palmer. <laughs> but I've seen the cover many, many times. It, it doesn't inspire me to listen to the music, uh, but the cover itself is, is amazing. Is that Emerson, Lincoln Palmer? Yeah, I can figure out why I didn't listen to it. <laughs> you got your money's worth. <laughs> it's like that weird disco rock thing. Yeah, you know? I don't know. It was the 70s. Everybody yeah, was experimenting. A little, it's a little Zappa-y, yeah. which I kind of like, but, you know, meh. I just had to check it out. Right. Mm-hmm. So during a, a few of those years... He's collaborating with a, a few different artists and, and people, uh, you know, just getting his, his uh, biomechanical tendrils out, as you, <laughs> as you would. So through contacts with his American painting friend, Bob Venosa, which also leads to other people like Salvador Dali, because mm-hmm. uh, it was his whole little circle of friends. Yeah, and uh, with Dolly, uh, I, w- I was uh, reading a little bit about how uh, he was friends with Dolly, and he said that Dolly looked at his artwork in a way that no one else could. Mm-hmm. And uh, in their talks just together, he gave him inspiration uh, just by speaking with him about his paintings right. that no one else could see in his paintings. Mm-hmm. And uh I I I would love to be a bird on the wall, <laughs> yeah, you know, or a fly on the wall, uh, or yeah, a, a grotesque, you know, baby maggot, on, yeah, on hanging the on the wall, just listening to that <laughs> right. conversation. Uh, but they started talking with Alexandro Jodorowsky, who is a director of um, films. Well, he did uh, El Topio and the right. Mountain. Yes, uh, which the Holy have, Mountain. I have to Don Donnie, our our music expert that mm-hmm. we have on from time to time. Uh, told me to put on my Netflix queue, and it's been on there for three straight years. Now, is that the one with the clowns? I don't and... know. It's been on my Netflix Netflix I... queue for three straight years. I've been I, I've I've been wanting to watch it, and I haven't had the chance. But um, Jodorowsky's uh, there, there's a movie coming out now mm-hmm. called Jodorowsky's Dune, right? And it's all about, and I believe you're about to bring this up. Mm-hmm. He originally was going to make Dune. Mm-hmm. Now. Um, Recently, it didn't come to fruition. Right, of course. But um, but he had commissioned Giger. He mm-hmm. had commissioned uh, one of the gentlemen that went on to do Star Wars. Mm-hmm. He had commissioned, and it was just this whole group of very creative people, artists, that, sculptors. Art, yeah, yeah, that he, you know, writers that he that he brought together mm-hmm. to try and create this movie. Right. And he he got all the artwork together. He got you know actors. Yeah. I mean, like uh, yeah, like it was going. They were going to have you know uh, all uh, based on on Frank Herbert's book mm-hmm. Dune, which if you've read the book, it is. I mean, it's thick with with uh, environment. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it is a very expansive world, and you need some people like Giger to to create that visually. And they, he was going to have people. Uh, Salvador Dali was going to be in it yeah. as as a character. Mick Jagger, 
Orson Welles. These were people that were all lined up to be in the movie in mm-hmm. uh, uh, Alejandro Jodorowsky's Dune. Um, but it just never, no one wanted to put their money into it. No one right. believed that it would happen. And then um, slowly over time, eventually that fell apart. Yeah. But those people went on. His team, Jodorowsky's team of of creative artists, mm-hmm. went on to do other things. Yeah, um, you know, and they started using the bits of his team to uh, create these amazing motion pictures. Yeah, and so one of the things that came from kind of that those meetings, uh, he was sent the first copy uh, of of the sort of the script, one of the first copies done by Dan O'Bannon for uh, Ridley Scott's movie, Alien. Mm-hmm. And, and they were looking for a, an art designer to help make this vision real. And I also wanted to mention that at some point in time, Jodorowsky and uh, and Ridley Scott had both been to a few exhibits yeah. that Giger had. Yeah. They had been both been to like one of the very first exhibits that he, that he had exhibited and uh, just didn't uh, just didn't know neither of them knew each other. They had just but but they he had found out later that they did. Yeah. I also wanted to mention that um, when Giger was was first starting and having his his uh, you know artwork at these different people's uh, you know galleries mm-hmm. Um, a lot of the time, the gallery owner, uh, the start of the evening, he would have to clean the spittle off of uh, <laughs> off of uh, Giger's work and off the front of the place because they thought it was so uh, so offensive. Right. That was right. like the start of the evening to clean it all off before they could show <laughs> the artwork. I right. just thought that was really uh, you know kind of a funny quote <laughs> from from Giger himself. Right. 77 is when Giger's book, The mm-hmm. Necronomicon, came out. And that's kind of what inspired Ridley Scott to sort of search out Giger's work. And there were exhibits, so they were like, well, let's go. Mm-hmm. Let's go. Because they had just seen the book, and they, they wanted to know more about the artist and designs and stuff like that. So th- and, and, of course, the Necronomicon mm-hmm. coming from H.P. Lovecraft. Yeah. So you have a, an artist mm-hmm. uh, inspired by an artist inspired by an artist. You, okay. I mean, just keep, keep on going down the line. That's how you feed off of each other, mm-hmm. you know? People in a band. Well, Lovecraft you know? would have loved that. I mean, oh, Lovecraft yeah. himself was, uh, you know, in that little cabal of writers that he had. <laughs> right, yeah. So, you know, for Giger to kind of take that and run with it, mm-hmm. I, I don't think he would have had a problem with that at all. Right. And, and you know, uh, given Giger's Necronomicon was more of a, a coffee table art book, mm-hmm. uh, very much like later, you know, many, many years later, uh, Stephen King came out with a book. Uh, I think it's called, like, Nightmares and Dreamscapes or something mm-hmm. like that. And it's basically a coffee table book about gargoyles. Yeah. Uh, you know, that sit on churches and stuff like that. And he just went around and took pictures of gargoyles. Mm-hmm. It's an awesome book. Uh, so it's very similar to that. But because of that, because of that, the the reception that the book got and his art was starting to gain momentum. He started hitting big time. Like yeah. people started yeah. really respecting. knowing who he was, respecting who he was, regardless right. of how offensive that they took things. And that's, so, that's such a huge thing. Or in spite of. Right. I mean, because mm-hmm. a lot of his work is hypersexual, hyperviolent, uh, very dark. But it's, you have to see past that. You know, think like Dolly, <laughs> you know, see past all that, look for the lines and, the, and this, the true subject matter of the piece. It's not just a, you know, uh, a big penis on, on an alien head. It's, well, sometimes it is. Well, yeah, it is. But it's still, there's still form and shape to that that is, that can be, you know, seductive or elegant or visceral. It, all those things, you know, you see those in, um, like, Starry Night. You look mm-hmm. at that, and you see, like, this sort of, like, despair and, and but joy and, and all these things all at the same time. And it's just, like, paint smeared all over the canvas with, you know. So it's, it's how, you, how you see it. But because his were, his, most of his uh, paintings and things like that were so <sighs> against the grain... In, mm-hmm. in modern culture at the time, 
it, it just really made people turn their heads to look. Mm-hmm. You know, if they didn't like it or they did, either way. So well, I, I mean, he had, a, and I know we we're gonna get back to Alien. Okay? <laughs> right, we will. But you know, uh, a, a little bit later on, around like uh, 1985, uh, he there was uh, the Dead Kennedys. Uh, we both kind of grew yeah. up around punk rock. You know, Jello Biafra, Biafra. He came mm-hmm. across a painting uh, in Omni magazine by H.R. Giger, and he wanted to he wanted to take Omni is kind of like a um, a sci-fi magazine. Yeah, so yeah, he came like across. Fangoria. Yeah, he came yeah. across some some Giger artwork, mm-hmm. and he said, "I want to get you know something from this guy, you know, and and put it in one of the make it our album cover." Right. Well, no one else in the band wanted to do it, <laughs> um, but he did wind up taking uh, that his artwork and mm-hmm. he put it on the inside as a fold-out poster that you could put up on your wall. Oh, nice! And as it turns out, the poster that he wanted to use from Giger that he you know he didn't have him commissioning; it was already an artwork that he had. He just paid him to put it inside, right. and that uh, that artwork uh, was called Penis Landscape. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So try and Google that, see what comes <laughs> up. Um, but anyway, it, it, basically, it's a bunch of penis and vaginas having sex as a landscape. And it's it's uh, very graphic, uh, but it's, uh, it's, it's kind of bizarre. But it, he, he put it inside of his... Of of his album, yeah, uh, and uh, pre- pressed it from Alternative Tentacles, his 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 uh, his album um, label, his label, excuse me, and then uh, then he ran into some problems with Tipper Gore, who had the Parents Music Advisory, of course, of of course, <laughs> where uh, it turned out that a thirteen year old girl had bought that album called Frankenchrist, mm-hmm. had bought it for her eleven year old um, uh, her eleven year old brother, okay. So the parents get a hold of it, and they, you know, of course, uh, kind of freak out. And then, you know, it turns into this big, huge thing that, you know, yeah. they're corrupting the youth of, of today. So Tipper Gore <sighs> yeah. being, you know, uh, at one time Vice President Al Gore's wife, mm-hmm. you know, were in the parents' music advisory. And, uh, yeah, basically, so they prosecuted him mm-hmm. uh, for and, and his, his alternative tentacles for putting this out, pressing it. Uh, but they did not wind up convicting. It was a. It turned out that they decided that it was not pornography. Right. It was actually. It wasn't any objects to hurt any any human being. It was uh, specifically, um, you know, a. It was a painting mm-hmm. that was meant to portray. Uh, you know, uh, humanity. Right. So they right. weren't, they didn't wind up being able, they prosecuted him, but didn't wind up convicting him. Right. However, right. it almost bankrupted alternative tentacles yeah. at the time. Yeah. Giger actually almost became like a counterculture um, icon. Icon because oh, yeah, of this specifically. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, any, like, uh, you know, Jello wound up going on like Oprah. You know, and <laughs> sparring with with uh, with Tipper Gore a- right. about this whole subject, and I don't know if you've ever heard uh, heard Jello Biafra speak, but he is um, he's uh, well, kind of high pitched, but he's also like uh, and a little has a little bit of a lisp, uh, <laughs> but he is uh, he knows what he's talking about, man. Yeah, he does. You know, he, yeah. he really does. So, and uh, Donnie has a great story about uh, Jello Biafra, and uh, he'll have to tell that next time next time he's on the show. Okay. Biafra didn't wind up meeting him, you know, during the trial. However, a little bit later on, he actually went to New York City and he went to the opening of one of Giger's uh, artwork exhibits. And uh, so he he went and met him. And at the uh, at the exhibit, uh, Guar winds up showing up. Of course, in, yeah, of course. You know, in their full uh, full costume, <laughs> covered in blood, probably right, right. at Giger's exhibit to to look at his artwork. But later, uh, uh, Jello wound up going to Giger's home in Zurich to kind of check out his black walls and look at all of his artwork amidst the weeds and uh, the mushroom growing mushrooms growing off of their backs. So, 1975. Giger is working with a couple different exhibits, the the Passagen exhibit and uh, a few other with uh, uh, a fellow artist named Jorg Stummer. Mm-hmm. He also encourages, uh, Stummer encourages Lee, Giger's uh, girlfriend at the time. Were they married? I thought it was his wife or just it, she was his girlfriend at the time. Girlfriend at the time. So Jorg 
Strummer uh, encourages Lee to open up her own gallery in a an adjoining space that he was renting, mm-hmm. and it was basically for the you know to to use that that area for her work, her friend's work, and and especially Giger's work. So uh, when Giger actually uh, starts working on the Necronomicon stuff, which will later be later be published, nineteen seventy seven. As he's working on this and collaborating with a couple other people, Lee starts to get, I guess, stressed out and depressed and, and, and a few other things are going on with her life until one day she decides to end her life well, and I think she commits suicide. I think that she was very uh, just, I don't think that she was a very stable person mm-hmm. as well. And I think she had some depression. Yeah. And I think she just went into this uh, kind of depression. Um, she was very stressed out from the, you know, having the, the art gallery that you were talking about. Right, right. She'd just gotten that and her boyfriend's starting to, you know, get more and more acclaim for his work. And, yeah. you know, things are going good. But there's also probably underlying causes, underlying things that were, were happening at the same time. And uh, she she had some problems with depression, and she wound up Lee wound up uh, taking her own life with a with a revolver, a 22 caliber revolver. Yeah. And I was reading an interview, and uh, Giger is a kind of a fan of weapons. He he likes revolvers. He likes uh, Knives, weapons, swords. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, and if you're into that kind of thing, horror and fantasy, you mm-hmm. would imagine that you would be. He still to this day has that revolver and he holds wow. on to it. Yeah. Wow. So my act, the scarred and dangerous thrill show, I'm only one half of. The other half is Dangerous D. He's currently living in California. And he's going to call in from time to time to give you his two cents about all of our topics here on The Curioso. Now, all dangers considered, a moment with dangerous deed. Look, I don't know, I'm just thinking out loud here, but there's something fishy about H.R. Geiger's death. I think this is on some kind of Elvis type I mean, I don't know if he's really dead, if he's alive, or in between. And everybody always says an artist's work is most valuable when they're dead. Besides, Geiger's a bit old to be pumping out masterpieces now, so I think his buddy Timothy Leary is still alive and made this whole thing up because Leary's broke now and f***ing nuts. He knew Geiger's a good friend and would go along with the whole thing. After all, Geiger is death. So in 79, to promote the movie, Alien, uh, Giger is sent with Mia, his then-girlfriend, and I guess the problem solver, because he, he was, I guess, high-maintenance at the time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and they, they went to, to Europe uh, for the premiere, then to London, and then to Paris. And a few weeks later, uh, they fly to New York, and after a stopover in Dallas, where he gives a total of 23 TV interviews in one day about the movie, by then he is stressed out, depressed, and just tired of doing all this stuff. And they, he ends up in Hollywood with Mia, Timothy Leary, his wife Barbara, uh, for the official release at the you know, premiere on Sunset Boulevard. They had one of the, the huge space jockey things mocked up. From the movie Space Jockey Things, mm-hmm. is that? Do you mean the ship? Yeah, yeah. What it didn't have a specific name, isn't it? Like the Norholtz or something like that. <laughs> what is it called? No, I think this the Space Jockey is the actual the smaller ship that she escapes in. Okay, okay, all right. Yeah. So like the escape pod. Yeah. Nostromo. Mm-hmm. Nostromo. Mm-hmm. Well, why didn't you say that before when I was like it was the Noraholtz? <laughs> oh, because I was reading. I was trying to figure out something else. When I was like, it's the Noraholtz. Yeah, Everyone's going to be like <laughs> emailing us, and they're like, the Noraholtz. You're an idiot, Chris. It's the Nostromo. <laughs> Thanks, Joe. So, and and later on, I guess after the premiere, someone actually lights that on fire. So, <laughs> uh, I, I don't know if it was a 
pissed off fan or they didn't want to pay the ticket price, but somebody actually burned it down. And after after leaving all of that mess, uh, Giger says he developed an alien interrogation allergy. <laughs> he was he was done, done with it. So 1980, H.R. Giger wins the Academy Award for Best Achievement in Visual Effects for his work in the Alien movie. So, I mean, he got worldwide recognition for his art, mm -hmm. you know, which was... Acclaim. Yeah. By the early 80s, he's working on tons of different things, uh, like his chairs, like these um, sort of like skull-topped bone bio chair things. Yeah, and uh, some of them, I don't want to go too far into it. You know, we'll, we'll get to this eventually. But mm -hmm. uh, some of those are in his bar. Uh, which one? The Giger bar. There are two. Well, one of them, at <laughs> least. Probably both. Right. But, I mean, so he's, he's really branching out, you know, now that he's got a little bit of money, a little bit of acclaim. He's really trying to, you know, see what he can do, what he can produce. You know, this is a... One of his high points of his career right now is like, you know, I've done a movie, I've got artwork at exhibits, I've got this, I've got that. I'm going to push myself to try something new. Mm -hmm. And he had the background with furniture and stuff and architecture. So he really starts doing that a lot. Around this time, too, he's also getting uh, commissioned for more uh, of his artwork for uh, using for record albums. Yep. So he, you know, he's he he winds up doing several of those. Yeah. Um. Uh, he did a few for Danzig. Yeah. Uh, uh. Of course, we already already mentioned Emerson, Lake, and Palmer. Debbie Harry. He mm -hmm. did the cover for the Jam was moving in '81. Uh, Attack Magma in 1978, and that was the one where I had mentioned uh, the weird atomic, gross mutant babies, <laughs> and they have the uh, the. Safety pin sunglasses. Yeah. Yeah. That Giger designed. Yes. Yeah. Steve Stevens, Atomic Playboy. He did that album. Celtic Frost to Mega Theron in 1985. Sacrosanct, Recesses for the Departed. Atrocity, Hallucinations in 1991. I believe there's some kind of a death metal band. Carcass. What's <laughs> Heartwork is the name of it? 1994. Yeah. Hotwork. What's interesting about that is he had stopped really, uh, you know, sometime during the early, very early 90s, mm. he had mostly stopped painting. Mm -hmm. And he had kind of just started working on sculpture. Right. So the front of this album is a one of his sculptures. It's a picture of it instead of yeah. having, uh, instead of it being a uh, painting. Right, right. Now, you were talking about the, the Danzig album. Uh -huh. Um that's Danzig three. Yeah, how the gods kill. Yeah. Oh man, I had that poster on my wall. Uh, I've had that album probably twelve times because I'll lose it or break it mm -hmm. or you know give it to somebody, whatever. Uh, probably my favorite Danzig album that he's ever done past the Misfits. Mm -hmm. But that that artwork very much like the the one you were telling me where you can fold it out. Yes. Well, you take the, take the uh, How the Gods Kill album, and, you know, it's a, a six-panel, uh, small, you know, little poster. Yes. So, mm -hmm. and you fold it up, and it's CD-sized. So, yeah, I, I had that whole thing, like, yeah. on my wall for... Yeah, very much like the Frankenchrist album, how mm -hmm. they had the inside. Also, um, uh, of much of note, and it's actually a, a kind of a later band. We're talking, like, 2010, 2014. They're still coming out with albums. Mm -hmm. uh, Trip... Uh, Triptychon. 
Okay. Sounds they're like a, a, a transformer. Uh, Cryptocon. Yeah. Well, they're actually a uh, like a death metal band, of and course. they're they're from uh, Sweden as well, and they're kind of of note because the 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 lead singer, mm-hmm. he is he kind of has worked. Uh, he's been a collaborator friend uh, of Giger, and sometimes his on and off uh, assistant. Uh, helping him around, I guess, uh, the house and with paintings and things like that. Okay. Um, so he's, uh, you know, become very good friends with him. And uh, the Maryland Death Festival, right right after we're recording, it is coming up this coming up weekend. Yeah. The Maryland Death Fest. And it's, mm-hmm. you know, if you're into death metal, then you probably already know about the Maryland Death Fest. Well, mm-hmm. Trypticon is not going to be there because the lead singer is such good friends with Giger that he does not want to miss Giger's funeral. Of course, yeah. So uh, just kind of a weird thing of note uh, around us because we're both from Maryland, specifically Baltimore, where the Maryland Death Fest is uh, home to. Be weird if the Maryland Death Fest was in like Iowa. New Jersey. Yeah. (laughs) Right. Uh, Some other things like with the whole uh, album cover thing, throughout the years, people have sort of either stolen work not literally taking work from his house, but, but no, they have taken pictures. Well, that, yes, <laughs> yeah. I've, yes. I mean, he's he's mentioned that as well. People have literally come and stolen things from his house. Yes, uh, and things have been stolen in moving as yeah. well. When he yeah. moves, like uh, things, uh, he shows it off at a gallery, and in movement, it's been stolen. <laughs> it fell off the truck, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. It fell off the back of the truck. But it's, some- a, it's a big, <laughs> it's a big alien baby penis. All right, I need to take that home with me. <laughs> An acoustic sex fetus fell off the back of the truck. (laughs) Right. (laughs) But seriously, uh, bands have, you know, uh, plagiarized uh, his artwork and put it on on their covers and stuff without his permission. And it's not just, you know, the the paycheck, you know, actually getting commissioned uh, to do some artwork or getting permission. It's, you know, it's just, oh, it's out there. I'm going to take it and use it. You Mm -hmm. know? Yeah. But that happened a lot to, for his work, and in subsequent years, especially with film, people have used and abused his style. Well, that's the thing. Also, is that we can get into. I mean, so he had some other artwork that he worked on afterwards for movies after oh, Alien. Several, yeah. Um, but but with Alien, with all his his his. Uh, covers all of his artwork, it's out there. So even if you don't know who Giger is, mm-hmm. you know his style. You yeah. specifically know his style. He has a very... It's uh, very unique. Yeah, it's extremely yeah. unique. And it has permeated the world. Yeah. It has become a huge part of you know of, of everything we see. So it's, it's really, you know, and just in our lifetime, it's not something that happened a long, long time ago. I mean, it's just in our lifetime, this has happened... And uh, you're, it's, you're going to continue to see it around us, and you're going to continue to see it become more and more of other people's art. Yeah. It's just yeah. going to be like a certain style that, that's going to be stuck with us. It's, mm-hmm. It really made an impen- imprint and an impact yeah. on, on the world. Mm-hmm. And really, as an artist, what more could you want? Oh, yeah, exactly. No, that's, that's exactly how it works. Okay, so by 1985, he got commissioned by MGM to create uh, various scenes for a sequel movie called Poltergeist 2. I don't know if you've seen that one. I don't really remember <laughs> it. I'm, I know I watched it. I don't, I, don't, yeah. I don't remember it so much. But he, uh, he, um, he, he kind of worked on it, but he really kind of wanted to separate himself from it. Isn't yeah, I mean, yeah. He wasn't too uh, happy with what they did. Mm-hmm. Really, besides Alien, I don't think he was happy with any other movie that he participated in. He, he kept on trying to get back to that uh, back to uh, that sweet spot yeah. that he had with Alien, and he really never quite. Hit the hit the nail on the head, right? You know, right. For a little quote from uh, Ridley Scott, who said that the reason he didn't have him back for new designs on Aliens, the sequel to Alien, was he didn't want because Giger's world is so engrossing, engrossing and expansive, mm-hmm. and it, it does draw you in. 
like that the whole scene setup you know in alien when when you're watching uh um Sigourney Weaver running through the halls and it's dark and there's lights and there's flashing and you just see the the the, the xenomorph along the wall like you are in that scene you know and it's because of that vision of how that world looks mm-hmm. and he didn't want Giger back to present new designs because he didn't want the story to get lost in Giger's world but also he was also at the time Doing Poltergeist too, yes, which and, he and wasn't were, he wasn't very happy with, but he was locked into doing it. Yes, so yes. even though Contracts. he realized, yeah, it was <laughs> when he had gotten locked into doing it, he realized very soon afterward that it was not his kind of movie. It was not the thing that he really wanted to do. Right. So 1998, they open up the museum of H.R. Giger. Well, he he opened it, didn't he? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was actually he decided him to. and and. Uh, a lot of stuff curated by uh, his friend Leslie Barani. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you have prints and paintings and sculptures and uh, all this stuff, and they kind of compiled it into a, a museum. Mm-hmm. And he worked, uh, by 2005, he was working with Ibanez Guitars, you know, design. I, I think it originally was three original uh, guitars. Um, basically the artwork that was going on the guitar. Well, it was a bass and two different guitars. The exhibit was pretty awesome, and I think they went up for auction, all the rest of the artwork that was, I guess, showcased for for the, the guitar exhibit went to the museum as well. So, I mean, he, he's done so many different things. Like, it's ridiculous. Just looking at his IMDb list, I, I'm like, oh, wow, I didn't realize he helped design stuff for a movie called Killer Condom. Which was a trauma movie. Yeah. Which was, I've never even heard. I, I know trauma. Yeah. But I've never heard of Killer Condom. I, I actually haven't either. And I found the, I actually found the, um, the trailer for it. And uh, I'm putting that up on our show notes for your viewing pleasure. <laughs> no. Mm-hmm. Also, I wanted to mention the two Giger bars that we were talking about earlier. Mm-hmm. So one of them opened in 1992 in Char or Chur. Sure. Mm-hmm. Switzerland, like we had uh, talked about, his hometown. Yep. Uh, and then another one is uh, is opened in two thousand and three, and that's in uh, Chateau Saint Germain, Guiers, Switzerland, which is adjacent to the H.R. Giger Museum that you were the just museum. mentioning. So yeah. it's right next door. Nice. We have to go to Switzerland now. Well, <laughs> that would be actually awesome. we might not have to because <laughs> there is a possibility that there is going to be a Giger bar coming here to the U.S. Not um, here, not to Baltimore. Well, not to Baltimore, but probably New, New York, York or I would LA. Think. And that's only about four hours away. So that's true. You know. We were there last weekend. Mm-hmm. That's right. <laughs> so here, here here's a, a little list of just some random stuff that he's done, uh, movie wise at least. Uh, so we have Killer Condom. That came out in 96. He's also gotten credit for most of the Alien movies because the designs didn't really change. Uh, well, the base designs. They did change them by uh, Alien 3, which... Uh, <laughs> but he also worked on a movie called Species. Yes. Now, uh, Species, that was... Uh, what was the... Uh, character sill yeah was the, the character alien. in that and he also did the design for the uh the train mm-hmm. as well and that's featured in the movie later yeah um but yeah the sill like you look at that character when it's like in, in uh, metamorphosis site you know stage mm-hmm. you can see giger's work yeah the sort of bio ribs and tuby things under the skin it's very very similar to a lot of his artwork Okay, so one of the strange things is when when did uh, when did um, species come out? Uh, ninety five. That was in ninety five. Mm-hmm. Now it also opened um, in ninety five in Puerto Rico. Okay, I know. Where am I going with this? Yeah. Right, right, <laughs> to Joe? Puerto Rico. Yeah, yeah. So I know you're asking me. Yeah, uh, I'm going to get to it. So during the second week of August in 1995, a very mm-hmm. short time after that movie had just opened in theaters in Puerto Rico, mm-hmm. uh, a woman named Madeline Toliento claimed that she saw a creature near a house in Canovanas, 
Puerto Rico during the second week of August. Hmm. She said that the creature uh, had large eyes uh, had uh, that went all the way up to its temples, spread out to the sides. It was about three or four feet high, walked on two legs, had thin arms and legs, had no ears or nose, but a row of distinctive spikes uh, on this creature's spine and had, uh, had uh, teeth. And uh, were, these were the eyewitness descriptions that she gave shortly after the movie Species that she saw a creature that she called the Chupacabra. Oh. It was the very first sighting of the Chupacabra, and it was just two weeks after Species had come out in the movies. Hmm. So it's very possible that Giger himself, the original artwork design, yeah. he is responsible for creating the myth or the inspiration, inspiration for the myth, for the myth, uh, <laughs> or the you know, however you would like to call it, the cryptozoological creature, the chupacabra. Nice. Really, the chupacabra's only been around since '95. Yeah, yeah, it's a really, really recent one. Way to go, Giger. <laughs> okay, so among the, the the movie credits that he gets with the, the all the myriad of alien movies that, that have been out and. Uh, Species and Darkseed the video game and all this stuff. What? Dark, Darkseed the video game? What's that? It's a video game, PC game. That he was involved in making? What? Yeah. Well, art. The, the art design. Yeah, the art design for it. I think it came out, the first one came out in, uh, I believe, 92, and the second one came out in 95. Yeah, so the, his art was very prevalent in, in that game. So along with all that stuff, he also did small little commission things, uh, you know, fans or, or uh, art buyers or something like that. You could try <laughs> to commission him to do something. If you have a lot the, of the money, the, money, the moolah. <laughs> right. So the singer uh, for the band Corn, Jonathan, what's his name? Uh, Taylor Thomas. John, no. No, that's the guy, that's the kid from... Full That's House. Definitely not him. No. Uh, Jonathan Davis. That's it. Uh, he had... He was also on um, the Oddities TV show. Oh, okay. Yeah, looking for, like, medical equipment and stuff. Yeah, yeah. Well, he was a, you know, huge fan of Giger's, and they met a, a few different times. And he had commissioned uh, Giger to design a microphone stand mm-hmm. uh, in, you know, Giger's uh, biomechanical style. And the, the stand, uh, Giger ended up making five of them. Davis bought two. Mm-hmm. I guess that's all he needed. And, well, you know, one and a backup. Right, right. And they are pretty neat looking. Mostly a, a female form, you know, uh, kind of arched back and the, the microphone goes back to the head. Yeah, I believe that his quote is that he wanted the microphone stand to be a giant ball of sex. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. So yeah, an elongated giant ball of sex. Who who uh, who who would you commission to create a giant <laughs> ball of sex for you? Then, but Giger, but uh, HR yeah, Giger, exactly. That's the first person I thought of. But hey, I'm really Giger. <laughs> so okay, so this you've is been, you've been watching that thing like over and over. And I know over. it's so funny. It is really it's so funny. funny. So there's this video. Uh, it's put out by the Nerdist, and you know, I, I mean calling out to other podcasts, but hey, the Nerdist is pretty good with, uh, with Chris Hardwick and all that. And uh, so there's this video that, that one, of the, um, one of their guys did called uh, Super Ego, and they, they're, they're the, like a comedy troupe, and they did right. this whole thing with Giger, and it, it is just hilarious. If you're a fan of Giger, you should probably watch this. <laughs> right. uh, what is the, I'm pickling black licorice, you know. <laughs> <laughs> it just kills me. But, um, You've upset me. <laughs> you have upset to me. So, uh, okay, so one of the last things that I wanted to bring up, mm-hmm. and I bet you didn't know this. I'll bet, I'll put uh, I'll put $100 on the table betting that you didn't know this. Okay. So Giger was commissioned at one point to create a Batmobile. Yeah, yeah, I knew that. Son of a... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> for really, Batman Forever. For Batman Forever. He yeah. created a, uh, uh, he, he did some... Um, so just some artwork for it. And yeah. it looks kind of like an X. Yeah. And it has It's called these... a kick-ass mobile. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but that's, I mean, how much cooler than you can you get than having Giger create a, a Batmobile, a Batmobile <laughs> I right? I know. That's, that's so, like perfect. 
so it has these kind of tires that are are sort of like um, they're they're not really just kind of that uh, cylindrical tire shape, right? Mm-hmm. They're actually just like balls yeah. that spin. Uh, so in making it, it can go in any direction that you want. It yeah. can also uh, kind of just do this sort of X-wing thing where it kind of fans out mm-hmm. and move in any direction, and it has these sort of like pincers, yeah. you know. Uh, but also. Uh, if you take a look at the tumbler, right, mm-hmm. from, you know, our the latest newer, Batman yeah. in- incarnation, the way that that sort of spins, and then also, you do you remember the cycle that pops out from it? Yeah. And the way that that is able to turn and spin? Really, to be honest with you, they kind of used Eager's <laughs> idea from Batman Forever to create that tumbler motorcycle. Yeah, yeah. Totally. Oh, I know. I know. So I'm, I'm just saying he didn't get credit for that, yeah. and uh, that's kind of wrong. <laughs> it is very wrong. So we implore you to uh, to look them up. You know, do some do some uh, YouTubing, as the kids say. Do they say Or that? you could just look at our uh, on our show notes. Yeah. We've got quite a bit on there already. Yeah, we are compiling a nice little list. So he, painter, sculptor, set designer, film director, uh, science fiction uber god. Like he he was a very, very important person in at least in my upbringing, in my lifetime. And I think us doing a little episode uh in his memory, I think that was, that's, you know, it's a good call. I think so too. And I also think that he, you know, and I I said this once before, but I'm going to say it again. Mm -hmm. He and his artwork are so inspirational. Yeah. Is so uh, ingrained in our society now, just over the past, uh, you know, 30 or 40 years that, 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 you know, 30 years or so that we've had uh, knowledge of him and what Mm -hmm. he's created. It has become, you know, you you know, it's a gig, you know, just like you would say Lovecraftian, you know, when you're talking about certain things, Mm -hmm. things are gigarest. Yeah. Yeah. Gigarest. And all you people with the, the biomech tattoos and, and you give it up to Giger. Yeah. He's the inspiration. He's the person that, that started that trend. So, you all should, you know... Bow down. <laughs> Bow, Bow down. down to the Giger. Bow down in a nice, dark, slithery pit hole. <laughs> Biomechanical pit With hole. With your upside-down cocoon beds. <laughs> I really wanted one of those beds. Yeah. 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 Like, I, I want to go and just take a nap in his house. <laughs> like... <laughs> You know, his completely black walled house. That's so rad. Yeah. So, uh, what I heard that he, his, uh, someone went to go see him and his, he's now living with his third wife, uh, his, Mm. him and his second wife were separated and his third wife, he has a train, like a, like a miniature train. Mm -hmm. He's always been a fan of miniature trains. Like he used to bring them into his old work and, uh, and play with them in, in, in the school. So he was very excited to finally like get a, kind of larger miniature train, <laughs> kind of like we, we talked about, like the Johnny Eck episode. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He has one that goes through his house, mm-hmm. uh, and the, uh, the 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 whole wall in his house is, of course, a thinly veiled vagina. <laughs> of course. But and the he, train is a yeah. very long, you know, half-sized train penis. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so he knocked down, he also knocked down another hole in the wall so that uh, his wife that lives just next door in the next room over, mm-hmm. he can uh, converse with her. <laughs> knocked a big a big hole and his whole side is just completely black and completely vagina. scribbled on. Yeah. Train vagina hole yeah. and then his wife lives next door. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so Pretty awesome. So, but uh, you know, he is uh, now uh, one of the dearly departed, mm-hmm. and uh, he will definitely be missed. All right, kids. So look him up. Check our site out. <laughs> Lots of good videos and and links. All right, that's it for us. So, ladies and gentlemen, we know it's a dark day, but Giger always liked it dark. That's right. <laughs>
I'm just kind of going chronic chronic knowledge. Chronologue. 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 Yeah.